Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hi, welcome to another episode of Dish the Dirt. I hope you've all had a wonderful week. I had a really great week. I got to go out to Nude Blooms. Thank you so much for having me and thanks to Hayley from the Rook Blooms and October Flower Fest for organizing this uh it was really wonderful and i would encourage any florist out there if you have not been out to a flower farm wherever you are call up a call up a farmer see if you can go out it gives you a whole new perspective on the flowers that you're buying and you get to see really how hard they work for those beautiful flowers so that's my little lecture for today and i think i do go on about it in the podcast so i'm sorry about that Today is not about me and what I think anyway. It's all about Amy and her beautiful farm up near Canberra, Fred Turo Flower Farm, uh, where they grow dahlias, chrysanthemums and zinnias. They've trialled a few other bits but have found it most economical to focus on a few focal flowers and grow them really well with more volume and colours. They are chemical free and most definitely seasonal. Amy does give us some really good tips on how to use social media um, when you're trying to sell to florists and she's also had lots of success selling to florists so she gives yeah some advice around that so if you've been wondering about that and starting out on your farm yeah give it a listen um it was wonderful thanks again Amy let's get into it hello hi how are you I'm very well thank you how are you not too bad thanks well if I sound a little yeah we did make it sorry that I've been so shady um (laughs) I did a really big installation today and I sort of forgot the whole process of packing something like that down oh yeah no no worries at all (laughs) yeah and I've got if I sound a bit nasally I've got terrible hay fever now from um the palm flowers that I used. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They kind of look like massive, I don't know, like yellow bananas. <laughs> really? No, I'm not familiar with them. Oh, yeah. they're really cool. And I've never really seen them before either, but we have moved to a new house and um, yeah, they're on our property and they're the only nice thing about palms actually. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them, I've chopped so many of them down already. Anyway, enough Oh, about. wow. Well, some free foraging material at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so how was your day? Yeah, good. It was a work day today. So just we're still working from home in my job, so that's all right. And um, Tilly was in care, so I didn't have to juggle anything. It was okay. Yeah, wow. okay. Yeah, great. So do you want to start us off with your story, Uh, where you are, what you do? Yeah, let's just get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we are in Wallaroo, which is um, on Ngunnawal land, and it's just outside of the ACT on the northwestern sort of 
um, in that direction. And yeah. it's not far from Canberra. It's only, you know, 30 minutes to the centre. And we're on a property of about 50 acres. Um, and I only farm a very small part of that because I'm still, I still work part-time three days a week. And then the other okay. two days I'm sort of, you know, looking after my daughter who's 18 months old and sort of learning how to manage that, having a little one running around outside and trying to get things yeah. done. Um, and, yeah, we actually, we've been here since 2017. Okay. So we've had, yeah, three seasons, um, just the summer, autumn sort of season really. Yeah. And when you first moved onto the farm, did you always want to grow flowers? Um, I don't know. I think it was an idea when I, I was living in Sydney before this um, with my now husband and I think when I met him I knew that he's a country boy, grew up um, on a big farm in Forbes, which is central western mm. New South Wales. And, yeah, it was quite apparent that we were not going to end up in a in a city or a suburb and so my work I was a teacher but now I'm doing education projects sort of things that don't tend to happen in the middle of nowhere so I was thinking oh what can I farm what would I like to do and contribute like somehow on this mythical farm that might eventuate and yeah I came up with I had vaguely you know been interested I guess in floristry as a you know maybe I should have done that instead of teaching but um, I did a little taste of floristry course and it I enjoyed it a lot, but I, I don't think it was for me, but that sort of got me onto thinking, well, maybe I could I could grow the flowers instead, be the grower. And um, the more I looked into it, the more it seemed like a manageable, in a way, a manageable thing for someone with no experience and not much knowledge of sort of large machinery or anything like that. It just seemed like something that I could learn and manage. So, yeah, um, yeah just started Googling and, yeah, I got more and more into the idea. And then around that time, Luke's parents sold the big farm and moved to where we are now. And so we were able to do a little test patch. Um, we started visiting them in this area in Wallaroo and really loved it, but it was um, very expensive. Mm. <laughs> and, um, we did a test patch on their place and they it went really well. Like the Delias, we set it all up long distance. We were still living in Sydney. We were travelling down. It's about a three-hour drive um, oh, every wow. other weekend and just working our guts out and then coming back and working the week and um yeah had some irrigation on a timer three days three days a week it was running I think and yeah everything else I mean I tried to direct seed some stuff just completely oblivious to how that works and got it all wrong it was never going to be moist enough for them to take but the dahlias hung in there and um yeah when it was sort of flowering time we pulled up one day and it was just a sea of colour so it was oh wow That's yeah great. moment we go wow oh, we did it and from a distance it was um yeah really a nice moment and I think that that got me hooked on the whole thing <laughs> yeah great so then you moved on to your property and um you've been there and had two seasons so what did you sort of do to start off with so we have you just been farming sorry have you just been farming the one that you did the trial on or no no oh so what happened then we were looking we decided okay Canberra's a good region um we'll buy something around there but we were looking much further out and um partway through that search like parents um came to us with the opportunity to go halves with them in a place nearby to them so that's how we ended up with our own farm that we half own here in um Wallaroo 
And yeah, we've been here three seasons. Um, so yeah, we started straight away because we moved here in the spring of 17. And so we just immediately started prepping beds on the new new farms as soon as we could and planted our first proper crop of dahlias and zinnias bits and pieces that year. Awesome. And when you decided to plant dahlias and zinnias, is there, there a reason for that or what's your climate like there? Do they, is that sort of something that grows really well and easily? Yeah, it basically, so because I knew they had gone well in the trial the year before, I was definitely mm. sold on on the dahlias and a few zinnias had survived my um my tragic direct sowing attempts. So, yeah, I was pretty sure that both of those were going to work. And it is very hot. It's very dry, extremely dry here. But we did have a, we have a bore on the farm. So we know, like we knew that we would be able to water whatever we were planting. Um, And, yeah, everything, we have lots of heavy frost here. So we sort of very um, constrained, I guess, by frost dates. But, you know, these are summer flowers. So that was part of my decision making as well, just things that would go well and stand up to the heat in summer here and just outside of Canberra, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. And how do you do the juggle? So (laughs) now you're back, you know, working in your job and you've got your little one. How does it all fit in? Do you have help or...? Yeah, I know. This is a question I don't even. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't know that I am doing how it. Do you do, how do you do it? I know. Yeah, I cancelled just... spring this year. So <laughs> if that's an invitation. Um, well, it's pretty tricky. So all of my decision making now has to be, you know, what's the most efficient thing? What's going to get the most out of my time? Um, so there's lots of decisions, I guess, that are made along the way, like focusing on very few flowers. So I don't have a whole range of different things that I'm growing. I'm over the last few years have just um, really honed it down to ideally the plan is to be one or two key things each season. And it, it isn't my main income. So I don't I do have the luxury of sort of deciding how much or, you know, what not to do, I guess, each season and only this year I think I've really allowed myself to just let it go a little bit in terms of okay well for spring we actually need to think about that in autumn and in autumn we didn't have bed space for the spring plantings and we wanted to focus instead on upgrading all our irrigation for the flower patch so we spent all of autumn digging trenches and laying like new taps and pipe so Mm. yeah I wouldn't normally miss spring but that's sort of just I had to just decide okay that's what's going to happen on on this occasion Probably a good year too, Miss Spring, to be honest. (laughs) That's true, actually. Yeah, I haven't thought of it like that. I've I've got massive FOMO. Like, I don't, I can't go on Instagram at the moment because everyone's got all these beautiful things. And I'm like, don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. um, Yeah. So the juggle, definitely just choosing things, um, making little decisions like um, my dahlia dividing. I used to do it all at once in the autumn so dig it all up and then divide them all completely but I split it up now so that I just dig them and store them in autumn and then I do the dividing in spring so that job's sort of split across two um, periods in time I guess I'm not trying to find lots and lots of days at once to do something and yeah I do have family nearby so I can call on them if I need a big day and I've had a lot of working bees with a lot of friends and family <laughs> here and there. Like, on a, it's amazing what you can get done. And, and people are really lovely and happy and helpful, you know, interested to come and have a, a go if it's for an afternoon or a day. So I've been lucky that I've got lots of, um, yeah, very helpful friends. 
Awesome. So what drives you to do this? You know, if you've, you've got your other job and everything else that's kind of going on, why grow flowers? What is it for you that makes you want to do it? Well, I think it's the whole package of the process. I mean, I like I like the physical labour of it. I do like being outside. Like my, my current job is a desk job, an office job. Um, and I think over time I've just been so much more drawn to being more physical and being outside. Um, I like the planning of it. And I actually like how it forces you to slow down and sort of be patient and work through the process for each, like for the dahlias, for example, I mean, a lot of your flower farming audience will know, but other people might not, that there's steps in that plant's kind of process throughout the whole year that you're working on and learning about. Um, I have loved learning a lot of really new things for me. Like I I don't have any background in this sort of stuff. So um, it's been a real kind of, motivation just to use your brain in a different way um and then I've met loads of really cool people every single person you meet in this business is really lovely and friendly um and then to top it all off the thing you're growing is the most beautiful thing so there's that reward at the end of it all and the anticipation of that is really cool as well yeah, that sounds like a pretty good reason to be growing flowers, yes. to be honest. <laughs> and I'd like to do it, like it full-time, but hopefully we'll get there. That That is the dream yeah. and the plan, but, yeah, one step. So who do you sell to now? Are you selling to florists or just do you have a roadside stall? What do you do with your flowers? So um, one of the, I guess, decisions or strategies in terms of the time I have is really that I find selling direct to florists is the quickest thing to do in a lot of ways so I have um when I started out I just made sure the name on Instagram was really clear like it does what it says on the tin the flower farm and then I followed all the Canberra florists and luckily because there's not that well then there wasn't that many farms around and florists here have to get a lot from Sydney and Melbourne on a truck I think it just piqued people's interest. So they followed back and, um, yeah, it's just been through Instagram and I've had just a few really key florists that have been my greatest supporters, um, Barton Flower Bar in particular. And I really don't have a huge volume. Quite a big florist, for instance, and they're able to take a lot of what I grow. Um, And then I'll have other florists from Canberra sort of just getting in touch by Instagram you know, letting me know they're interested and I um, do as, as best I can to try and get um, my flowers out to everybody who's asking for them. So it's it's not been too hard to find interested florists because I think Canberrans are really, really cool in they're really into supporting local products. Like it's a big deal to do that here. Um, and they're just switched on, I think, in terms of sustainability and, and you're wanting something fresh that isn't a few days old coming down from somewhere else. So um yeah it's been a real a real bonus to have that luxury of working in a place that isn't kind of flooded with other flowers um and yeah so director florist I drop them off and yeah it works really well so far perfect it's so good to be able to deliver them to straight to there Yes. Yeah. And um, do it on my way to work. So it's all very efficient. I'm already going into town for that. Um, We did have a farm sale. We tried for the first um, time in COVID this season, gone, just gone. 
um, a farm gate, I guess it was more a farm gate pickup. So people kind of pre-ordered on the Friday and came and picked up fresh cut flowers from on the Saturday morning. Yeah. Great. And what have you, what sort of been your biggest learning curve and your biggest achievement? Ooh. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the learning curve has been huge and in lots of different um, directions, but like I've killed a lot of things. There's been a lot of things that haven't worked. And I think just learning to, for me to go like less is more and um, I think focus on the plants that really can handle the conditions where I am. That's mm. been a big learning curve. And one one that I'm still learning is actually the timing of harvesting with the dahlia crop. I think I lose a few each week because I tend to harvest at the moment. I've in the past I've harvested two days, two times a week. And so there's always a few that kind of go through to the keeper because they were too early on the first day and too late on the next day. So I've got to get better at, um, you know, not losing any flowers in that process so that I can sell more of them. Um, and I'm really keen on learning a bit more about regenerative farming practices as well. So we do a little bit of that here, but um, we've got, a long way to go. It's definitely not not perfect. I don't think you're ever, ever perfect at that one, but um, yeah. I think that's something I'm definitely need to learn more about. And we've been doing um, making a few decisions recently. Like we're getting rid of our weed mats and the pathways so we can have live um, paths and soil coverage everywhere, rather than just sort of bare compacted dirt underneath and increase the soil biota and. Yeah. We did have chickens sort of in the mix and the rotation for two seasons, but they we've um, basically we borrowed this travelling coop thing and we had to give it back. So um, we'll look at other options for animal integration into the patch when it's not being used. Um, but I think biggest achievement is just having a flower farm on the side. Like, yeah, it's pretty tense. What would I be doing? It wasn't going to be that. So, um, yeah, I really, I had a bit of a low point last season. It was the end of the three years of just endless drought sort of times and the grasshoppers had eaten all the seedlings that had planted and I just blended my finger. So I had this really bad finger injury (laughs) and I was thinking maybe I'll just give, I don't need to do this. This is all pretty hard. Um, But it kind of occurred to me that it is, it's a real part of my identity now. And when I see my friends and family, they the first thing they always ask is, you know, how are the flowers going? And, um, yeah, that's really important to me now. So that's, mm-hmm. that's an achievement. Yeah, that's a pretty great achievement. Um, pretty awesome to have a whole business on the side of working as well as being a mum. Like, yeah. <laughs> being you a mum is a full-time job in itself. You've got about seven. Yeah, I know. Yeah. As I was like putting up an installation today, juggling a baby and yeah. I get it. <laughs> um, so what sort of knowledge would you have to share with somebody who's perhaps thinking about starting a flower farm or is in the midst of it? I don't know. What would you say to them? I think do some trialling definitely um and sort of I mean the mistakes I've made or plants that I've killed I haven't bought large numbers of them so I think yeah just 
just go easy initially, maybe start slow would be my advice, definitely. Um, and yeah, look, look to make those connections with, with your local florist kind of scene. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, I've found that that worked really well for me. And I mean, it depends where you are and how saturated things are, but um, certainly just making your business on social media very clear and simple uh, so that people are, you know, can tell what it is that you're doing without sort of wondering and can find you easily. Um, mm. And it's a bit about managing expectations as well. I think you sort of do yourself a disservice if you kind of make out that the farm is bigger than it is or has more things on offer it, you know, the whole year round when it doesn't. Like the more you can be, um, yeah, just very authentic and genuine in what, what it is that you have to offer florists and or customers, whatever your market will be, that, that's really important. Yeah, being transparent, I think. Yeah. Because otherwise sometimes you can contact people and think that, you know, like, I've got a million things, but really only half a bucket. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah. <laughs> and that's um, going to be annoying for everyone. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it's like I can see how it all comes about. And even I try to be very clear yeah. on all of my posts and people still sort of assume um, certain things. So, yeah, I think it's at least if you know you've done your bit, that's all you can do. This, I think this is why sometimes I encourage people to, well, I always encourage people to go out to flower farms and to see where their flowers are coming from because, you know, like you can in your head, well, in my head, I remember when I first went out to my very first flower farm thinking that it would be like this giant big thing, but really it was not that big, but they were producing all of these flowers. So, you know, like it just gave me a really – I guess a good insight to know like oh okay well next week if they don't have anything I kind of know why you know like oh yeah yeah. (laughs) I understood the process a bit more um which I would encourage other florists to do uh that's my little lecture for tonight anyway (laughs) it's a good idea and I you know when people want to visit (laughs) the first thing I always say is look don't don't expect fields of the stuff and if it's not the right time of year especially you know it can be quite like underwhelming to come to the flower farm and there's nothing in no flowers but um yeah it's a good point and I think the more connection we can make between the flowers flower growers and the florists um the better that that's yeah. the way this will work I think so you said that you've got grasshoppers what sort of pests do you have and how do you deal with them um, yes so well we every year has been different which is one thing another thing to learn um we don't use chemicals here so we're chemical free on the flower farm and mm. so we have I guess a limited range of things we can do for pests for the grasshoppers at that point I mean there was just literally nothing else green around they were coming because that was the thing to eat and I don't think there was much I could have done about it I don't know what the solution is there um and I mean it was a very extreme circumstance so it's not going to be like that every year most things come through for a little phase you know and they're really annoying at the time they're happening but then they move on or they're sort of managed by the next thing um that's what I've found the one the pests I have I guess yeah some grasshoppers definitely um Earwigs are going to be big this year. That's my prediction. <laughs> they like it when it's a bit more moist and we've had lots of rain. 
compared to the last few years. And they do tend to nibble the flowers a bit. They're pretty annoying. So you can, I mean, very basic sort of solutions is you rolled up newspaper in your rows overnight, like moist newspaper, and then you've just got to collect all those earwigs that collect, um, gather in there and then, you know, dump them in a bucket of water or something like that to sort of get rid of them. Yeah. But um, the big one for me, and I know it's been mentioned on this podcast before, is red-legged earth mites. So okay. they're, they're a winter problem for me, which makes it hard. My ranunculus and anemone are always sort of getting attacked by them over winter heading into spring. Mm. And, yeah, it, it's an issue. But as I said, they do kind of finish and go somewhere um, towards mid-spring, but they kind of weaken the plant over that winter process, so the winter time. And those I also are one that I'm a bit stuck on. I think most people are. So it's just, I guess, about trying to make everything healthier, trying to make the soil healthier, the plants healthier, to give them the best starting ground um, possible. But if anyone has other ideas, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Some little trap for earth mites. Yeah, like going to be a So um, now that you've been in the industry for a little while, how do you see it and do you think that there's anything that we need to do to further educate consumers or, I don't know, growers and florists? Well, I mean, I think there's been a lot of movement just lately. So there's been the push for the um, place of origin labelling, which I think, you know, fully fully supportive. I think that's a great idea. Um, And hopefully that leads to the conversation or that, that change of thinking for the consumer about where where everything is coming from. Um, I only I helped a florist for a short time when I first moved to Canberra in her shop. Um, she's a, become a really good friend of mine, Rachel. She doesn't have the shop anymore, but I was kind of very struck at the time with the amount of packaging um, okay. in the florist the florist um, the flower deliveries. So I don't personally have to transport my flowers so I don't want to sort of speak on behalf of people that do and I, I maybe don't understand all that goes into it but I feel like there must be some elements of, of packaging at least as a small first step that can be removed out of the, the circle um, because yeah I think there's a lot a lot of contribution to you know waste that comes through that packaging even the cardboard I mean I know it breaks down but it's, it's just so much of it um, the other thing I think is, and this has happened actually just on the weekend, a nearby farm, Namori Flower Farm, hosted a whole bunch of florist students from the TAFE here in Canberra. So they've got a, a progressive um, teacher there named Narelle, I think. She's Brave Botanics Online and she is really passionate about sustainable floristry and learning where the flowers come from. So she took a whole bunch of her students out to their farm um, what it was about and how it worked. And I think more of that um, is obviously going to be really beneficial to everybody's understanding in the industry of how things things come to be and where flowers come from. And, yeah, building those connections right from the beginning with the local flower farms. So that sort of activity is excellent and I think really valuable. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Um, and just when you go out to a farm, I went out to a farm on the weekend and you just see all the plants in all their different sort of cycles, which is really cool too. And you would see it all the time on the farm. 
you know, like you see your day we have from the tuba right through, but I guess a tree changes over time as well. And just going out to the farm, you go, oh, really, it looks like that now. And, you know, in a few months it's going to look like this. And, yeah, anyway. No, you definitely have a real appreciation of the seasons and the phases that everything goes through and the time that that takes that, you know, things don't happen overnight and they're not happening the same like they're not the same all of the time um yeah but yeah and I think for florists too like it's not easy for them to I, I don't know down the track once we get a few more kind of micro flower farms and not for micro flower farms around Canberra you know really pumping finding a way to make it easy for florists to kind of get get what they need from us too because I think that's not a, not an easy ask and we need to kind of make it as, as doable as possible. And I don't quite know what that looks like yet, but I think it's something that as collective, you know, the local region here we could figure out hopefully down the track. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what is, I guess, your hope for the future and for your farm? <laughs> Say in five years' time, where do you hope to be? Well, um, this season is going to be a lot bigger than ever before, so I'm going to be planting 900 dahlias, which is a lot for me. Oh, wow. um, Yes, so we'll see. I don't even know what that looks like in flowers. So I'm sort of looking at this year, um, yeah, quite carefully and closely to and taking really serious records about what everything's producing and looking to work towards making it my main thing, basically. So it breaks even at the moment, but it's nowhere near a wage for me. So um, that would be the dream, be working full time um, on the flower farm and having that as my, my main focus. And, yeah, I think I think it's possible. It's possible. Anything's possible. It's true, and I'm yeah. hearing all these Definitely. stories. So everyone else yeah. doing it, I'm sure it's doable. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so who inspires you the most in the flower farming world? Well, I think it's the local, well, the Australian scene. I mean, I did get a lot of information and inspiration from Floret in the beginning because she was sort of the only thing around to kind of refer to at that point. But certainly now it's it's the local Australian flower farming scene and, and some of the people that you've interviewed. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sophie from Little Trifford has been making, you know, business out of her flower farm and floristry. She was one of the people I followed early on um, and she's, yeah, very inspirational. And then you've got Hayley from the Rook Blooms and Floralee, um, Loralee at Floralee, who all these people sort of started around the same time and they're just killing it. So um, yeah. people making a business out of it, I'm really inspired by. I think that impressive and I know how hard it is I know what it's taken um so I find yeah I find those guys really really motivating and we have a whole um Facebook group of flower farmers now in Australia and that group is just a very positive supportive group and and there's yeah tons of motivating people on there so we're lucky great um what have you found sort of the best thing about being in a community like that is it that they share lots of information or is it just kind of great to know that there's other people out there 
who maybe are cutting their fingers or, you know, covered in dirt that day too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, there's nothing like knowing someone gets it. I think that that's really good. But a lot of the info you get online is for other climates and for other places. So it's invaluable having people in our climate and our soils having trialled things or tested things and our pests and it's just there's not many other places you can get that really specific experience and information. So that that's really great. Um, and then, like I said earlier, just everyone in this little scene is is really, really lovely. Um, so it's been a very much like a, a community that's developed um, in a way that I just wouldn't have expected was really important to me, but it is. It's been very yeah very meaningful to just connect with all these like-minded people and have them you know understand what you're trying to do and get why you're trying to do it because I put it down in my little notes and I just want to know why you can't direct so only because of me like I (laughs) have just thrown some seeds in the ground so now I'm very interested to know why you can't do this Oh, so that was when it was the trial patch from a distance. And I, with, well, my understanding now, I haven't retried it. I've always just gone kind of the safer option to seed raise, to be honest. But this year I'm back, I'm going to try it again. Don't worry. Hopefully it won't. But it was basically, yeah, with the irrigation setup I had, I couldn't have different lines doing different things. So the dahlias only needed a certain amount. And I believed in my naivety that the seeds would be okay. fine with that, oh, that well, makes sense. and they were okay, not great <laughs> me, what is your favorite flower it's probably very obvious but <laughs> yeah it's a bit boring these days but it is the dahlia they've been good to me and they're so reliable such a workhorse um and economic I mean they just keep producing new plants every year and these days, I mean, I haven't got a lot into tuber sales, yeah. but tuber sales are crazy now. So yeah. there's the option to even sell, you know, that element. Um, yeah, they're just beautiful. Yeah. And Do you have a favourite variety? So yeah. very into the variety. Um, yeah, I have a it's, – it's probably not the most striking daily ever, but it's my one of the first ones I grew and it's been a real sort of – Stayer, like it produces for me. It's called Autumn Times and it's a lovely coral orange colour. Um, it has a few variations in it. It can go pinky and the petals look like they're painted watercolour. And it's, yeah, it's just been my favourite all along. So I think that's Yeah, great. That's and the one. you've probably heard me ask this question, but if you're going to leave the farm in the middle of the night or, you know, quickly at some point, um, what three seeds or three plants would you take with you? Okay, so I think I'd take an Auden Times tuber because I don't see them around that much. Um, so, yeah, I'll take one of those. I haven't talked much, but I do have chrysanthemums as well on the go. So there's this pink one I got I think was basically an accident because it's just this one that turned up when I planted it. You, you buy cuttings of chrysanthemums, so you you know, it's easy, I guess, for them to get mixed up. And it's beautiful sort of apricot pink one. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's just beautiful. So I'll take that. And then I love my speckled hellebores. I can't remember the exact name of the variety, but anything with speckles I love. And hellebores just seem to really nail the speckle. So I'd oh, take some Great. And well. your favourite tool? Ah, oh, yeah. So 
Uh, it's my trolley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like a cart and yeah. I didn't get one until like last season. I don't know what I was thinking, but they always seemed really expensive, but they're totally worth it. So go and get one if you're on the fence like I was. But this one has like a tip tray and it's solid. It's not a, um, not kind of um, <laughs> a whole thing. I can't think of the word. Um, but, yeah, so I use it a lot more than a wheelbarrow now. Like it obviously cuts the buckets of flowers nicely, but I use it all the time for everything awesome. else. It's just easier. And it. is there anything <laughs> I haven't asked you that you wanted to share with people listening? No, I think I just wanted to say thank you to you for um, finding all these stories and finding the time and energy to do it. Um, I've really oh, gained a lot from them. And yeah, um, we, I really appreciate oh, good, good. <laughs> what you've well, been doing. I don't forget people's interviews and all of the rest of it. It does work out pretty well. <laughs> you also just opened a shop. No, it's great. And I love hearing your stories too. Um, it's been lovely to speak to you and hear about your farm and I can't wait to be out of this horrible lockdown so that I can travel around the country and see all of these beautiful places and things I want to do. So, yeah. 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 Oh, congratulations Thanks. on your impending yeah, launch. Yeah, That's yeah, very It's been cool. fun. But today I got <laughs> given a whole heap of snowball from a local grower yesterday because they can't sell it. So I did yeah. a big installation out the front of the shop mm. today for – yeah, That's the what community. Pulled it apart for the afternoon, which was fun. It was hard at the start. I was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I was like, no, this is why you made it. Like, let's go, let's go. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walk around the corner. <laughs> uh, all right. I will let you go. But um, thank you so much for chatting to me. And oh, I had to tell you, Haley messaged me and she was like I really love Amy and I was like I was like oh um <laughs> did you message the right person and I didn't know what she was talking about she's like oh Hayley you're about to speak and I was like oh yeah I was like I completely am useless and am running late I was like I've got to go and I can't talk to you right now oh, <laughs> but she said you're the only person well, I was that um, her she about- would sell this type of tuber to so she must think very highly of you I know. Yeah. So lucky. Oh, well, she's been lovely to me. And, yeah, I was just talking to her tonight about a particular delivery. So I was like, oh, I'm about to take you back. And she said, say hi. <laughs> I forgot to yeah. now to say hi, but there you go. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, well, I hope you get yes. some uh, well-earned rest. Thank you. And, okay, well, yeah. I will let you know well, when your episode comes up, but well. it won't be for quite a while because I've um, – Obviously, haven't started season two yet, and um, so it'll be a few weeks. <laughs> but I will email you. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. All right. Thanks okay. so much, Amy. Well, okay. Yeah. Thanks again. See you. Thank you so much, Amy, for chatting to me on Dish the Dirt and sharing your story and your knowledge. It was a wonderful episode and I'm always so grateful to all of the farmers for getting on here and sharing your story because I know it's not easy. If you would like to get in touch with Amy, you can do so at Fraturo Flower Farm on Instagram. 
If you would like to be on Dish the Dirt, you can get in touch with me via email at dishthedirtpodcast at gmail.com or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, get out there, sow some seeds, shift some compost, do whatever you beautiful bloody flower farmers do and keep being blooming fabulous.